This is Dream Chaser, Dr. Dozy Anunquo, and you're listening to Chasing Dreams with Amy J. Welcome to Chasing Dreams podcast with Amy J. Amy believes that realizing a life without regrets is achieved by taking chances, chasing your dreams, making moves, and overcoming your doubts. The Chasing Dreams podcast will help you overcome life's obstacles, believe in your potential, and inspire you to face your fears. And now here's the woman who is passionately pursuing her dreams, Amy J. Dream Chasers, thank you so much for showing up and listening to these episodes. Today, I have an awesome show, and I say that every time, but I, I, I mean it this time as well as every other time. Uh, with me today is Dr. Dozy Anunquo, PhD, an entrepreneur and scientist from Riverdale, Maryland, who obtained a PhD in biomedical engineering from Purdue University in December 2010. And while working three years as a biomedical engineer, he pursued his passion for entrepreneurship and fitness by founding Be In Shape, a worldwide fitness lifestyle brand that promotes the pursuit and maintenance of a healthy, fit community while encouraging the individuals who thrive within it. He now runs Be In Shape full-time and recently joined a neurotechno- neurotechnology startup, NeuroVigor, as a scientific and business expert. And if that's not enough, he's also my friend. Hey, man, how are you doing? Hey, how's it going? Thank you so much. I know you're such a busy guy. Um, we went back and forth trying to find some time to get this, and we were able to squeeze this in. I do appreciate it. Not a problem. I know this is something you've been yourself trying to get up get up and going, so I'm happy to be on this show. So, Dozy, you, we, we've known each other since college. Yes. It's, it's been some years, and you were working on your PhD in Purdue. You were working hard, and last I heard, that was it, and then... You know, then I learned that you were doing this be in shape thing. And I was like, what is that? How is he doing that and doing his PhD? And you did you go into college thinking I'm going to be business? No, I had I really was not thinking about entrepreneurship until probably until my third or fourth year in graduate school at Purdue. You know, up until that time, you know, just about my research and I figured I would go get a job. You know, somewhere in the biomedical space and, you know, just build my career that way. But I took part. There's one course they have here at Purdue. Um, it's called Biomedship, mm-hmm. where uh, biomedical engineering grad students team up with uh, students from the business school and work on, you know, uh, developing a business plan for a medical device. And we act as if we were actually a company. So that experience on top of just the environment here in West Lafayette and around Purdue really encouraged me to start thinking about entrepreneurship. Now, so when you were in grad school, your focus was your PhD. It was on, you know, getting that because PhD isn't easy, right? Yeah, it it is tough. (laughs) It is tough. Now, do you think it was worth it though, getting your PhD? I do. Absolutely. I absolutely. uh, And I get that question a lot, you know, because of 
how I ventured off into different things. But in addition to the research, there were a lot of other things that I, a lot of, a lot of other skills that I learned that have been very valuable and are very valuable in, in many other areas. For example, I think one, just doing research in general, that, that the, the protocol and the, the way in which you research new subjects and new uh, things that you're trying to re- you're trying to do actual studies on, that process is the same across any field, whether it's in science, it's in business, it's in anything, or the arts, fitness, that research process is the same. So I was able to apply that into entrepreneurial aspects. Uh, in addition to that, my writing skills improved, you know, my speaking skills improved from doing oral presentations and poster presentations. And really, it made me more marketable. You know, being a, a black male with a PhD, it makes you uh, it makes you more viable. You know, you're, you're more uh, reliable when you, somebody sees that you have a PhD on your name. They're more willing to listen to what you're selling or listen to what you have to say. So, well, there's I, no doubt about the fact that when you have a PhD behind your name, you know that that person has has put their blood, sweat, tears into getting it, and you know, I know you worked hard. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, like, as you said, that work ethic that it goes into getting any PhD, people, people respect that. Now, for those unfamiliar with the PhD process, um, do you mind sharing how long it took for you to get your PhD? Oh, not at all. It took me four and a half years. Um, the PhD program at Purdue um, was lo- done a little bit differently as far as, you know, some people take the you know qualitative exams, but in the biomedical engineering department, it was done differently where we did a, uh, uh, literature assessment. So basically whatever our research was going to be in, we put together sort of a 20 to 25 page report on the amount of overall research and critical literature assessments that we've done to prepare the actual studies that we're going to do for the rest of our graduate career. So rather than taking exams for answering questions that we might forget about, they said, hey, let's make you guys do a critical literature assessment that will actually help you and prepare you for the studies that you're going to do to get your PhD. So I, I actually loved that about the biomedical engineering program I was in because it was useful. You know, everything we did was directly applied to what we were going to continue to do throughout our years at Purdue. So, so I really, really love that. So it's almost like you had a, a base for, for to jump off of to start Absolutely. your research. Absolutely. And it was also based for your, your dissertation. You know, there's a lot of a lot of the research that I did during that initial that first year when we had to complete that document that I used in my dissertation. So it was useful for the entire time I was in graduate school. So shout out to Purdue Walden School of School of Biomedical Engineering. I love you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm pretty sure Dozy is willing to um recommend them to anyone. So if you guys are interested oh, yeah. Check out Purdue. Definitely. So, Dozy, when you were in college, you you began working out more. You began, um, you know, focusing on your health, if that's yeah. safe to say. And I, I think that followed you into grad school. Was that a, a conscious effort to take care of yourself? Was that a conscious effort for, um, you know, vain reasons or anything like that? Like, what was the change that came over you? So there the were kind of two stages of that. Um, initially, it wasn't planned at all. So after my sophomore year at UMBC, um, I had an internship at the University of Colorado in Boulder. Mm-hmm. 
And, um, you know, Colorado in general is very health conscious. And maybe it was just like, because I was there, I didn't even realize I was becoming more conscious of it. But, you know, after my research was done in the summers, I was, I'd be bored sometimes. So I started going to the gym more often, playing basketball. Um, and on top of that, the food that they had was was pretty healthy. So sometimes there'd be nights where the only thing I liked was fruit. So I just would eat a bunch of fruit for dinner sometimes. Um, so I came back to school for my junior year. And I started getting a lot more attention from girls on campus. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just be honest. You know? No, be honest. Be honest. Hey. <laughs> and like, you know, those of you lost weight, you know, you're looking better. I'm like, oh, yeah. I mean, that's all I got to do. Lose a little weight. <laughs> so that motivated me to continue just eating healthier, cutting out the fast foods, cutting out the sodas. So I'd say from that summer, which was the summer of 2004, to probably that December, I lost about 60 pounds. And um, that was concentrated. That's concentrated effort to yeah. to work out. Right. And Absolutely. eat right. OK. Absolutely. And so that was the first stage. I went from 300 to about 230 pounds. I stayed there for for the rest of my time at UMBC, which is my junior and senior year. Then I went to Purdue for graduate school. I still wasn't an expert quote unquote, on eating healthy. I still had a lot of improvement to make, but I cut out fast food. I cut out soda. Now, what took me to the next level of really being uh, uh, really particular about the way I ate and how it worked out was when the movie 300 came out. Gerard Butler? Yeah. I went to see that movie and I was, I mean, I couldn't believe it. These dudes were shredded. Yeah, that, that's an understatement. That... Ooh, every dude. And, you know, I couldn't even hate. You know, I'm like, man, they obviously worked hard for that. So I was just inspired. I was like, man, I have to I have to be the black Leonidas. <laughs> I have to look like that. <laughs> and that's when I reached out to my good friend, Daniel Silva. He was a uh, he's still a personal trainer at the time. He was also into bodybuilding. Uh, we went to high school together. And I reached out to him and I was like, hey, man, I need your help. Uh, I need a, at this time he was competing. So he he's obviously in great shape. Knows like, what he's doing. Yeah. I was like, you got to teach me. You got to show me the way. I'm ready to learn, man. I'm ready to go to the next level. So, you know, he, one Christmas break, I came home for, I uh, came back to Maryland and I worked out with him every morning, 8 a.m. for like three weeks. He killed me every morning, but I was, I, I fell in love with it. So that's, that's where it really took off. So you were hooked. I was hooked. I was hooked. So you were hooked. You came back to Purdue and you kept doing it. Yeah. And we were talking earlier off the, off the uh, um, recording that you kind of fell into this in the yeah. sense of, I mean, you, now, now you're working out more. But mm-hmm. how did being in shape come into play? That is a great question. So... When I, you know, I mentioned I was with my, my high school buddy, Daniel, mm-hmm. um, he really got me kickstarted into eating the right way, training the right way. And, you know, he gave me the tools to take with me to Purdue to continue. So that's what I did. I came and I came back to Purdue, was really diligent about it for a year. Then when I came back home for uh, I came back home for the next Christmas break. And I was together with my friends. You know, I'm a year into it. My body's looking better, you know, as good as it's ever been. 
we go out to the club one night and um, once again, I'm getting crazy attention from, from women. It was crazy. And towards the end of the night, I went back together with my friends and I just screamed. I was like, man, I love being in shape. And everybody just busted out laughing. So from that moment <laughs> on, I love being in shape was like my, my personal slogan. It was your motto. Yeah, it was, my, it was my mantra. I love being in shape. And I had the idea at that point of getting it put on a shirt you know, as a twist on the I Love New York shirt and just wearing it for myself. You know, I wasn't thinking of having a company or anything. I just wanted to wear it. Okay. And um, so, but I didn't do it. I didn't make the shirts until after I graduated from Purdue. You know, I just had it in the back of my head. I wasn't, didn't really have that entrepreneurial mindset. I wasn't into it yet. So I just never pulled the trigger. And when I started working after I graduated, I had some extra money. I remember, oh yeah, I remember that t-shirt idea I had a few years ago. I got some extra money now. Why don't I just get some shirts printed? You know? So I got the shirts printed. And at the time I was getting more into the bodybuilding thing, had some extra money. I was like, all right, why don't I do an actual competition? You know, because that costs a good amount of money to prepare for that. So I was like, all right, let me try a competition as well. And then I'll take the shirts with me to the competition and just sell them backstage. And when you're talking competition, you're talking about a, a fitness competition? Yes, yes. Fitness competition. Um, it was in, the competition was in Boston. And, um, but still at this time, I just thought I'd make a few extra bucks. Um, and that was it. But when I took them there, man, people loved the shirts. I couldn't believe it. They wanted shirts. They wanted tank tops. They wanted hoodies. They just wanted a whole bunch of products. And I was like, man, this is crazy. I, I did not expect this. But now, because I had that entrepreneurial mindset, I was like, man, what can I do with this? You know, let, let me see where I can take it. You know, I don't know anything about clothing at all. I never, I don't know anything about fashion. I don't know where to get these shirts from for the right <laughs> price. I don't know anything. Right. But I'm going to go figure it out. And even then, when how did you get the shirts made initially? Did you just like cafe press it or something? No, I didn't do that. I had a there was a local printing uh, store here on campus, and I just went in there and talked to my buddy John. He was working there at the time, and uh, I was like, "Hey, I have this idea," and I had already had a, the design made, but I just didn't know where to print it. That was the first place, place I thought of. So luckily. He helped me out with kind of figuring out what the right shirts were to get um, and just giving me some little tips to get started. And that's that's where it was. So it was the type of store where you just have an idea and they can print a shirt for you. And um, that's where I started. It was pretty pricey, but I didn't know where else to go. <laughs> but so we, you had an idea, you had a thought, you you had no experience necessarily in doing this, but you were like, OK, what do I know? Mm -hmm. And you used the first or second thing that you came up with, right? So you basically used your resources around you. Absolutely. Absolutely. My my idea was to just, as you said, use what I had. You know, I knew I had an idea and I knew that I needed to get started. You know, I, I didn't really want to waste time because this competition was coming up. And I, I knew that over time, as I did my research, I could find out more and more information to create a better product, get it at a cheaper price. But I just needed to get started. So that was, that was my mindset. 
So you get started, you're doing this. So you're working out still, you're still working on your PhD. You've, well, when this happened, when uh-huh. I got the shirts, I had already graduated. Okay. So you graduated. And so now you're working now I'm working. So now you're working, you, mm-hmm. you're still working out though. Yep. And you've pretty much got t-shirts going on and you're selling them. Is that when you started the company and you just like, how did you figure out what your next steps were? Just Google? Well, that's a, that's a good question. First, as far as the company, um, when I graduated from Purdue, I knew I wanted to start a company. I didn't know what it was going to be in, but I knew I wanted to have a company. So I went ahead and established a company as soon as I graduated. Okay. And I just kind of guessed what it would be in. I, I thought it would be within something in fitness. Um, so that's kind of where, where I went with it. I figured I would sell some product. So in addition to setting up my LLC, I got a, a retail certificate so I can sell product. I didn't know what the product was going to be at that time, but I knew I was going to sell something. So I had the business in place already before, before I went and got the shirts made. Um, so, because I knew that's what I wanted to do. Secondly, when I decided that I was going to do the clothing, the next question was, okay, I'm paying about 12, 13 bucks a shirt. I know this is too much. So how do I figure out where to get this cheaper? And that was just Google. I mean, not only Google, I mean, first of all, with Google, I just did a whole bunch of type of wholesale searches for finding blank goods, finding blank shirts. But in addition to that, you know, I just tried to think of, all right, where are there places I go where there are people there that are buying blank shirts for a business, for something, somebody where I can ask them where they're getting their shirts from. Okay. So my first thought was, you know, the gym on campus at Purdue, you know, I knew some of the trainers there, I knew some of the staff and they had the nice sort of, uh, like dry fit shirts. So I was like that, that would probably be the type of shirt I want. So the next time I was there, I went and talked to some of the staff, asked where they get their shirts from. Somebody told me what the company was. And then from there, I just kept digging. I just kept digging. So they told me the company, I called the company. They gave me some information, and from there, from there, I took that information and just kept kept trying to con- connect all the dots. And you know, soon after about a month or so of going through literally thousands of websites, calling literally hundreds of companies, you know, I was able to finally start getting things at a cheaper price. And that was just the shirts. Then I had to figure out where I'm going to get it printed, so that I went through that same process, asking around for you know printing companies going to local places here in Indiana, doing my research and just calling a bunch of people up, emailing a bunch of people. And um, over time, I was able to accumulate a list of places that I would like to start working with. And these are things I was doing, you know, at nights after work, on the weekends. Um, That's just, I just, I just wanted it. I had an idea. I saw the potential in it. And that's all I wanted to do. And so this was really trial and error for you. I mean, you're asking for help. You're asking people who are in the same field, of course, reaching out because you're smart enough to know that somebody else is probably doing it. Let me get some help right. um, and, and kind of do it. And so now you got this going, you're working on it. Um, now you're doing it full time. But in the beginning, what was it like being an entrepreneur on the side like that? It was tough. I mean, it <laughs> it was... I'd say that's 
the hardest thing I've ever done, to be honest. I think yeah. it, it was. You did a PhD. Too. This was the yeah. hardest thing. Building like building a business and working full time was harder than getting a PhD. Wow. Because. But worth it. Oh, absolutely worth it. Okay. I think what made it harder was just the fact that <laughs> I wasn't really sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> You're just. I, I got to get this done. Yeah, like I mean, with grad school is hard, but I slept pretty well <laughs> while I was in grad school. Especially once you know the classes were over, I was just doing the research. I slept pretty well compared to how I slept when I was working full time and doing my business. And see, there's other things I was doing at the time. I was just, I was just crazy. I'm, I mean, when it comes to business, I'm still kind of crazy to be honest. But so, in addition to crazy or dedicated, definitely dedicated. In addition to working, in addition to starting to build, you know, this clothing company, I was also personal training part time at my gym. Um, I was also blogging. I started a health and fitness blog. Um, so I was writing blogs. I wrote for a couple of magazines. I wrote for Livestrong.com. Um, so I was doing all this at the same time. So it was crazy. There were days where, you know, I, people would want to get trained before work. So I'd have a 5 a.m. client, go train him at 5 a.m., go get ready for work, do do my work. Then on my lunch break, go do some being shape stuff, send orders out, do some more research, go back to work. Then 5.30, leave work, go to the gym, train somebody else from 5.30 to 6.30. Then I do my own workout from 6.30 to 8.30. Then I go home, do some more being shape stuff till like 1 in the morning. Then I go back to the gym at 5 a.m. It was crazy. That is crazy. crazy. <laughs> well, let's just all be honest right now. That's a crazy schedule. No wonder you weren't sleeping. <laughs> I'm surprised you're awake for this interview. Oh, man. With the and lifestyle I... that you've been leading? <laughs> Come on, man. Hey, I, I, I got to thank all the good, you know, green vegetables and water I've been drinking. That's been keeping me alive. But, I mean, it was I knew it was only temporary. That was the thing. I knew it was only temporary. And I couldn't. You know, these are opportunities I felt like I couldn't give up on because I knew, like, deep down, I just knew that they would lead to something greater. So I had to get through this temporary pain to really get that ultimate success I was looking for. So, Oh, so you're I, now getting sleep? Oh, yeah. Okay, so we don't have to worry about that. <laughs> yeah, that, I'm not doing that. I'm not living that life anymore. But um, I don't regret it. I don't regret it at all. It was It was worth it to me because those things that I did – Training people, writing my blog, building a business, working. Those are things that have all led to what I'm doing now and what I'll continue to do. So, you know, it was it was absolutely worth it. And that's just that's a part of really trying to build, be successful to a very high degree. I mean, sometimes you have to make those sacrifices that other people wouldn't do in order to live the way other people don't usually live. I mean, you just. Sometimes you just have to tell yourself, look, I just I just got to suck it up and I got to do it. Those are preaching words here, guys. I hope <laughs> you're hearing it. I mean, you're not wrong. If you if there's something you want to do, I, even launching this podcast, I've told you guys before that few weeks leading up to it, I had a lot of sleepless nights because I was up trying to get things done yep. so that I could launch on time. And, you know, I didn't want to do anything half baked. So. I would be up to like two in the morning, just trying to get things together and had a goal each night. And, 
you know, it was temporary. So now, now I do sleep, but yeah. <laughs> you, you got to do what you got to do. Exactly. Um, but Dozy, when you first started, right, I, I, I'm sure you didn't go. What, what was the turnaround between starting being in shape and going full time? The turnaround was it was about three years. It was about three years. Um, so that was a is an interesting process because at first I really you know I, I was completely clueless and the things you learn during that process no not only about the business but about yourself is it, pretty amazing um, and as things were building you know what 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 I was thinking about as I was deciding whether I would leave my job or not being shape was just getting more busy it required more of my time. And at the same time, it got to a point where it just started to kind of clash with, you know, where I was working. You know, it just didn't really, you know, we had different different mindsets on, you know, the whole employee type of type of uh, setup, you know, having a business outside of. And that's one thing that people should think about. You know, sometimes if you have a business outside of what your career is, you need to figure out you know, what the potential roadblocks and hurdles might be, because, you know, just to be honest, not everybody's going to be okay with you having a business outside of your job. Yeah. So, you know, it's just a reality. So as things were building and, you know, you can't get mad about it. It's just, Hey, it's their company. They have certain guidelines and, you know, the way they want things to go and that's okay. You know, but that's just something that everybody should think about. And probably be upfront about because, yeah. uh, you know, you'd hate to have to work so hard and then find out last minute, hey, there's a conflict. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was one thing I, as the being shape was building, it was like, all right, you know, I understand there's this, there's this potential issue. Now I have to think about what I, what I want to do, what's the right thing to do. So that's kind of what led to me just deciding to go and do it full time. Now, you know, you, you get to a certain point where there's so many things you need to do and you don't want it to kind of hinder what you might be doing at your job or there might be issues with conflicts of interest. So you got to make a decision. So now, though, three years, did you ever think it's time to quit or I can't keep this up? This be in shape is the one that's going to have to be sacrificed. Did that did you ever have moments of doubt like that? Um, I never, I've I always have had moments of doubt, but I never, I never thought that I would drop being shaped. That was never a consideration at all. Um, for me, entrepreneurship was always a better choice than being an employee my whole life. So if I had to take the chance on being shaped, that's what I was going to do. And, you know, a lot of people said I was crazy for that because, you know, you were, you know, you spent so many years getting your PhD, you have a career and now you're giving it up. But I never looked at it as if I was giving it up. How can I give up a PhD? I have it. I can't, I can't give it back. <laughs> you went through that journey. <laughs> you did, you paid the, the price for it. Right. So for me, it was, it was something that I could always go back to if I ever needed to. But being shaped was an opportunity that doesn't come along often. You know, you have an idea that you're passionate about. You have a brand that you're passionate about that other people are passionate about. Other people can relate to what you went through. They can relate to what the brand represents. It's built a lot of momentum. And 
is it the safest route? No. You know, having a career is the safest route. But at the same time, you know, because of what what my ultimate goals are, what my ultimate dream life is, I knew that pursuing being shaped, pursuing entrepreneurship was the way to get there. And I can always go back to science. I have my PhD. It's not going anywhere. Right. So, so you have a fail safe, if you will, but it's not quite, it's not, you didn't consider it a fail safe. You just knew you had invested in it. You, you've reached your goal there. Now you were working on something different. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, to me, it was, it was something that was going to help me as an entrepreneur, you know? So I never thought of it as like a step back, you know, it was just a new challenge. You know, it was, it was another step forward to what I ultimately wanted to do is being an entrepreneur, having my own schedule, being my own boss, uh, being able to have a greater impact. And I didn't feel like I can have that greater impact sitting in the queue. Well, you're definitely having an impact now. I mean, your social media presence alone and guys, you, you need to follow Dozy and be in shape. All the links are going to be in the show notes. Um, very inspirationally, he does put some of his workouts up there and you're, you'll watch him and you'll be like, is this serious? <laughs> <laughs> Was he really able to do that? This man is no joke. He is yeah. no joke. I, I, you gotta, uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta practice what you preach, you know? So that's, that's what I try to do. You, you definitely do that. But before, before I go on to the, to a different topic real quick. When you were doing this and as during those three years and even after when you became full time, you're doing this whole thing without a roadmap, right? It's not necessarily that it's not like a PhD where things are laid out for you. You have to do X, Y, and Z. You do all of that. We'll give you the PhD. This is planless. I mean, how yeah. did, did you just kind of go with your gut as to what you wanted to do? The products, the, the marketing, the everything. Well, a little bit of it was gut feeling, but a, a good amount of it was once again doing your research. You know, uh, trying to understand who you, who your customer was, who your market was, what's important to them, what's not important to them. Um, when it came to the clothing, I really started to do my research on uh, where I was getting the product, how the product feels, what type of fabrics do you know? Does my do my customers like over others um, from color schemes to, you know, really started to research the whole fashion niche. You know, I'm not an expert by any means, but, you know, I took my research um, skills and just applied it to the clothing world. So fortunately, from being such an avid uh, fitness enthusiast prior to starting the company, I had a good sense of what what people liked, what people didn't like. And what also helped was when I initially started selling the shirts, just paying attention to who's buying, you know, something that simple. You know, I noticed that there were a lot more women buying than men. Um, was it close? So I said, okay, I need to have more, you know, more, more products for women. And that's been pretty consistent through the whole process. So a lot of it is just researching and, and, and paying attention to uh, your market. And in addition to that, feedback. Feedback from my customers. I'm very, I feel like it's very important to have an open, sort of open relationship um, 
as far as uh, getting feedback from your customers, um, being very accessible to their concerns, their requests. And I've done that from the beginning through Facebook, through Instagram, really being, uh, yeah, being you're diligent. A, you're very about, interactive. Yes, very interactive with my customers. And when you do that, they'll tell you what they like, they'll tell you what they don't like, they'll give you recommendations. And that's very helpful, very, very helpful. Even if there's a product that they don't like that you're selling, which has happened, they may not like the material or the fabric or the fit. If you have that relationship, they'll be able to tell you without, you know, being <laughs> without slamming being, you for it. Yeah, without without slamming you or being too uh, too aggressive about it. And then you can make those changes. So that's been very helpful. So I'm curious, have you ever had a product that was just it was just a fail? Like you pulled it off because it, it's just a fail. Yes, I've had a lot. <laughs> I've had a lot of those. <clears throat> Certain uh, tank tops or shirts, pretty much any any type of garment. I've had something that just did not work. And that's just a part of the business. There's going to be things that don't work. There are going to be events that you go to where you spend, you know, you spend money on a booth, you spend money on travel, you go there, it does, you don't sell very well. You know, there might be some marketing um, some marketing schemes that you feel as you really feel strongly about that'll work and they just don't work. And that's just a part of the business. You learn from it and, um, you, you ask yourself, okay, why didn't this work? You know, what can I do differently? You know, what about what I tried to do was just not effective. So it's a part of the game. It's just a part of the game. You have to take it as a learning experience. So would you say that, you know, you have to be able to handle failures? Absolutely absolutely because there are going to be everything's not going to work everything is not going to work everything's not going to go your way it's not going to grow as fast as you want and you have to be able to handle that it's not easy i mean there there are definitely times where i get frustrated you know because things may not work the way i expected it to work and um you have to be able to handle it and you have to have you have to have certain things in place to keep you motivated in order to handle those failures. So that's that's very, very important. Now, those, you're now working, um, or you joined, uh, I'm assuming you're working with them, the neurotechnology startup NeuroVigor? Correct. Was that because you got you were bored? You know, being shape is doing so well. <laughs> hey, I'm bored. Let me add one more thing to my plate because that's how I do. Or was, was it, <laughs> like, why another another thing? Well, <clears throat> how that came about was, was pretty interesting. It actually started in the gym, <laughs> believe it or not. Of course it did. It's <laughs> just so appropriate. <laughs> so one of the founders of NeuroVigor, Dr. Reed Shi, he was actually on my research committee at Purdue as a grad student. Um, and he happens to work out at the same gym that I do. So I was there early one morning and, and I ran into him. And we were just talking about, he was asking me about my business. I was asking him about his research. And I knew he also was into translational research. And I asked him about, you know, some of the, uh, some of that type of work. And he mentioned his company, NeuroVigor. And, you know, I just said, hey, maybe sometime, I, you know, I can stop by your office and learn more about the company. And from my perspective, I wouldn't say I was necessarily bored, but, I like doing different things. I've never been the type of person that like doing only one thing because 
you know, that can, I can like changing things up. I like stimulating my brain in different ways. Yeah, I was going to say you like challenges. I love challenges. I love challenges. And with science, I mean, science is just, it's such a huge challenge, especially when you're trying to uh, find cures and treatments for diseases. I mean, that's a huge, huge challenge. And you have such a greater impact on on the greater greater good, just on people's daily lives. So that's something I've always been passionate about. That's the reason why I chose biomedical engineering. So I have an interest in it. And from that from that conversation at the gym, we we met, and you know a few months later there was you know there was an opportunity for you know somebody with my skill set to to join them because you know with my neuro you know my research focus was in neuroengineering. And then, you know, I have this business experience. I also have my work experience from working for a medical device company. So all of those experiences are very beneficial for a startup in, you know, the neurotechnology, neurotechnology field. So when I, when I was given an opportunity to, to join the team, I, I thought it was great, a great opportunity because even though I'm doing B in shape, my goals as a biomedical engineer were always to be at the the forefront and in a leadership position for a biomedical and hopefully at the time my hope was to be with a neurotechnology company and be a part of building that company. So the opportunity came and I had to jump on it. It's definitely, uh, as, as everyone can see, you, you, you decided to step away from the PhD, you do be in shape, and then here comes this opportunity, which brings back your PhD. Exactly. I mean, it doesn't always work out that way, guys, for everyone. But I mean, it did in this case. But at the same time, I'm a big believer that everything happens for a reason. Mm -hmm. Dozy talking about how he did his PhD. He did be in shape. He met uh, this individual at the gym, then learns about the company. And then here he is now working with them as well, in addition to being in shape. So he never gave up his dream. And now he's got more than what he started with. Absolutely. So, so tell me this while we wrap it up. Are you happy? I'm very happy. I'm very happy. Um, because for me, my, my ultimate happiness at the end of the day is always living, living my life in my own way. So... I never wanted to be, you know, sort of boxed into a, a, a routine that I may not want to follow. I, you know, when I, I want to work when I want to work. I want to travel when I want to travel. You know, I want to sleep when I want to sleep or, or, or not sleep. <laughs> so having that ability, having that freedom is priceless. So I am very happy with that freedom. And it, I guess that goes to show you uh, guys that Dozy's sacrifice of sleep has come back and, and has been paid for. Yes, it has. <laughs> I would do it again. I would do it all over again. Well, that's kind of deep if you can say that. And yeah. I, I, I think that's awesome. I'm so happy for you because I've seen the evolution of, you know, everything that you've been doing. I have my own B in shape hat, guys. I, I don't just talk the talk. Really, you got to get his stuff. It's that's awesome. Right. <laughs> it's awesome. You got to get his stuff. Um, and again, the links to his store and the blog and everything he has going on will be on the show notes. Um, Tozy, before we go, we got to do two things. We got to talk about, we got to play a game one okay. round. 
It's called Rapid Fire. Ooh. All right, guys, for anyone who doesn't know or who's just tuning in, this is your first episode because that's the only way you don't know. Uh, Rapid Fire is a quick game that we play where Dozy's going to pick a number between one and three, and we're going to test our intellectual verbal skills. So if, for example, he picks three and the, num- and the category is sports, he and I will go back and forth naming different sports without pausing. So the first person to hesitate or uh, stumble or repeat a previous answer or say something that is obviously wrong, right? Like I say modes of transportation and you say sleep. <laughs> that does not count. Traveling in your dreams does not count for this, okay? That person is out. We, we're playing one round and we're going to get better at this whole hesitation thing. So Dozy, you got a number between one and three? Let's go with the number one. Number one, shapes. Okay. Okay, so we're going to name different shapes, which is kind of apropos given the whole being shape thing, (laughs) (laughs) depending on what shape. We are going to say that uh, potato is not a shape, okay? You know how you describe body types? That is not the kind of thing we're doing, okay? I just want to make sure hourglass is not, oh, okay, that could be a shape. Um, (laughs) But you get what I'm saying, right? I got you. Okay. You want to go first? Sure, I'll start things off. All right, all right, let's do it. All right, oval. Circle. Square. Rectangle. Ah, I was going to triangle. Oblong. Ah. What? What? You're getting cut. You're you're silent. What? Cylinder. Does that count? Elliptical. That was the longest hesitation known to men. You took like five seconds. <laughs> I'm, it's safe to say that you're out, buddy. Uh, dang. I couldn't even. I took yours, didn't I? Yes, you did. I was ready to say rectangle. I was like, please say triangle. And it didn't work out. You know, oblong is a shape, right, guys? I don't even know. I think it's either way you hesitated. So I'm, I'm going to yeah, take that. You're right. <laughs> I take the L. That's all right. You're winning in everything else. Uh, so Dozy, we're at this time where we call it your corner what is something that you would recommend to another dream chaser someone who is kind of in your spot trying to figure out what they want to do not sure they want to chase their dreams but they're scared what is something that you would recommend to them anything under the sun book quote person you know whatever um i'll say two things um couple of tips I just wrote about a little bit, um, just some tips on staying motivated that I found to be very, very, very important to my, to my journey. The first one is trying to remove all negativity from your life that, I mean, it's amazing how much negativity is just around us every day from the things we see on social media to, you know, what we might see on TV, what we might hear from what's around us. But you know, we have to get rid of that negativity to really believe in ourselves to to accomplish these huge, huge, huge goals because they're daunting. I mean, it can really intimidate you. But if there's something deep in your heart that you really believe in, once you pursue it, you have to get rid of all negativity, get rid of the you know negative friends. There's there's a benefit of having friends from a distance. If you have those people around you that want you to so sort to of stay at the same level that they are at, you got to get get them from around you, get them from putting negativity into your mind. So that'd be the first thing. The second thing is, in addition to 
this kind of goes to the opposite of that negativity, having a support group, having a group of friends where you guys are, it doesn't even have to be a group. It could be one person that you can, where each of you can motivate each other, push each other, talk about the good and the bad times, be there for each other when you're struggling, on those days when you're not sleeping and you're frustrated, things aren't going your way. They can keep you motivated and say, you know what? This is your dream. This is what you've always wanted to do. This is what you've always talked about. If you quit, if you stop doing it, you're going to regret it. So just keep pushing. These, these people are so important to your life. And, you know, I know I have those people in my life. Um, my parents, um, my friends, Topher, Chakori. You know, these are the people that have always you know, been there for me when I was struggling. If I wasn't sleeping or things happened to me that, you know, kind of devastated me. So those are my two tips. The two most important things once you start pursuing what you want to do. Those are some great tips, and I, 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 d I double agree with everything he said, especially getting rid of the negative negativity. It's not productive. If anything, it's hurtful to you, guys. You. So, so definitely do that, and get your own close-knit group of people you trust. Definitely, yep. definitely, definitely. Dozy, I cannot thank you enough for coming on the show, my friend. I appreciate it. Once again, congratulations on, on the official launch of your podcast, I know. We talked about it off and on for a while, so I'm happy that it's going. I think it's it's really awesome that you're doing. Uh, it's really helping a lot of people, so keep doing it. I will if you will, man, because you are doing some great things, inspiring people to get in shape, and that that is something that I think, uh, you know, helps one person and others see that result and that kind of affects. You know, it's like a it's a ripple effect of what you're doing, and I think it's awesome, and I wish you all the best. I appreciate it, and I wish the same to you. And that was Dr. Dozian Unquo, founder of Be In Shape Clothing, sharing his dream chase story with us. Be sure to check out the show notes page for notes and links of things that were mentioned in today's episode, including how to reach Dozy on social media. You can connect with us as well on social media at Chasing Dreams HQ. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Until next time, folks, keep chasing. Thank you so much for listening to Chasing Dreams. Amy would love to connect with you and hear all about your pursuit of chasing your dreams. Connect with Amy on Twitter at AmyJ21. That's A-I-M-E-E-J-2-1. Or leave a comment on her website, ChasingDreamsHQ.com. We hope you'll join Amy next week. And until then, keep chasing.